We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody. Another week of NFL football is in the books. You're dialed into the Food for Thought podcast where we go off the rails a little bit. I'm the Looch. I'm here with Will Priester. What a week in football. A lot riding on the line. Multiple days of NFL games. We had a treat with a three-gamer on Saturday. A lot of people were dealing with their season-long fantasy playoffs. The best ball playoffs are in full swing. A lot of big prize pools on DraftKings FanDuel. Uh, and other competing sites. And here we are. We are in the thick of the playoff hunt. And Will Priester, I'm really looking forward to Elephant in the Room because there's only one thing I know for sure, and that is Tier 2. We talked about tiers in the NFL, and we did our ranking system a couple weeks ago. There are no rules in Tier 2. Anything goes in Tier 2. You might see 40 to nothing games one week and then the exact the reverse script between the same two teams three weeks later or something like that. Anything goes in tier two, the gloves come off. What's going on, buddy? It's Monday. We're before Monday night football here. There's a lot of question marks for Monday night football, so we can't exactly dive into all that. We can talk about some of that stuff because there were some more coaching changes between the Philadelphia and the Philadelphia Eagles organization. But what's one big thing from this week of football that you're taking away? Um, I think I'm taking away that I have now graduated tier one to two teams that I think are true tier one teams. And believe it or not, Luch, I think they get it done in a similar fashion, but they have a dip, they have slightly different pieces and maybe not as elite pieces at the skill position areas. Um, but they've got a quarterback that just seems to run away from everybody. So the Ravens are going to graduate to Tier 1 this week all the way. And right now, to me, it's San Francisco, and it's it's Baltimore. And perhaps, Luch, perhaps, I'm not saying that this is true 
Perhaps these two teams are on some form of a collision course for the Super Bowl. Perhaps. I feel like all roads are going to lead through Baltimore at this point. Um, now, you know, I, I, we got to see what happens with Miami. Um, but to me right now, I feel like I feel like Baltimore is the team to beat. Like we, we saw Miami have a hiccup the week before. And while Baltimore had their hiccups early, Luch, I just think they're probably the most complete team in the AFC on both sides of the ball. Now, once again, here's what I will say. If Miami gets out on Baltimore to some type of a 17-0 lead, then we're going to see, we're going to see if this Baltimore offense can really fly down the field. Now we we've seen it in a sense, Luch, because I saw them score pretty quickly last night against Baltimore. Like we saw, I mean, against Jaguars. We saw some, I saw some glimpses of hope for an explosive offense in terms of how fast they can score. I, I have seen that. Um, but I still think they're the best team in the AFC for what it's worth. I, I think the Ravens are the best, and they're getting it done with, I feel like, less talent at the skill position than any other team in the AFC, which, which really, you know, I, I think, in my opinion, gives them the right to be tier one. Everybody else is tier two in my book in the NFL right now especially without Mark Andrews in the fold. Like, but kudos to Isaiah Lakely stepping up. Beckham shown us Beckham when healthy has shown us some flashes of, of OBJ yeah. from five years ago. Rashad didn't Bateman. Anything last night and neither did Zay Flowers. Uh, neither did, uh, I mean, Isaiah likely got involved. They hit, you know, hit a big play on the, for the tight end, but the receivers virtually did nothing yesterday. And Baltimore won this game convincingly. Like, you see what I'm saying, Luke? Like, they, they won 23 to 7, and it feels like they won 40 to 0. Like, that's what it felt like. The Jaguars, you know, misuse a whole bunch of turnovers, but that's what I'm saying with Baltimore. Like, this the, the wide receiver room basically did nothing yesterday, and they they pretty much ran away with this game from start to finish. Unbelievable. Jacksonville kind of imploding and reeling and we're starting to see that AFC South just becoming a cluster. The Texans huge win in Tennessee without their entire offense and uh, that bumps them up and you know the Texans were the biggest Ravens fans yesterday but that was just such a typical tier two game for the Jaguars and they're like almost tier two B in my eyes right now. We saw, you know, two missed field goals. We saw just, you know, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he was just bad. His accuracy was not there. You know, just drop fumbling, dropping the ball. Like, I feel like he was seeing ghosts out there, as uh, the, the saying was once, you know, three to four years ago. And I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is a bad quarterback. He's, he's a starting quarterback, and I still think he has, you know, more of a ceiling. But I I could probably speak for most people that we expected more of a leap. And I know he's at this point probably not you know 100% healthy. But who is at this point of the season? I don't really want to make that excuse for him. I I you know he looks poised back there. He has mobility. He's intelligent. You know he has all of those intangibles that you want in a quarterback. I guess I'm just disappointed seeing the lack of a leap. Um, you know we, you look back at the fantasy game log you see some really nice games in the last month but he was really sucking out rushing touchdowns you know near the goal line and stuff like that uh, but if you watch the game he missed so many throws and some of them weren't even close well I, you know and that's kind of a testament to Baltimore's defense you know I suppose when you look at it that way 
But you know what? What excuses do you have left for Trevor Lawrence? Because here, here we are. It's twenty twenty three. He's got, you know, he's got coaching stability under his belt finally. And it's Doug Peterson. You know, we've seen two, what, two years now, like two plus years. This guy's supposed to be your, your, like one of your best bets to kind of you know, develop that quarterback, right? They went out and got weapons. You know, they spent money. They brought Calvin Ridley in. You brought Zay Jones in. Uh, you bring Evan Ingram in. You draft Travis Etienne. I know the offensive line is not fantastic, but you know most of these teams that we talk about in tier two and tier three, you know there are holes on these teams. That's why they're not elite. They're not complete football teams. But um, the Jags missed so many opportunities yesterday to, to make it a game. You know, and, and that score might have been a little bit deceiving as it kind of got away from them there. Uh, and and just you know we're going to talk more about clock management soon. Because I actually want to talk about that before before we dive into the Bills. I want to talk about a big clock management conundrum. But in this game before halftime, it was piss poor clock management uh, from Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, company, who were inside in the red zone, ran out of time, just zero awareness, and didn't get any points on the board before halftime. On top of missing two field goals, they left 13 points you know, plus on the board going into the third quarter. And you can't do that against one of the food for thought tier one teams, the new tier one team uh, in the Baltimore Ravens, because you're just not going to win many football games. So I'm just really disappointed overall, you know, and I'm an unbiased Titans fan. There's holes galore in that team. It's been ugly. They lost some one score games. They lost a lot of personnel, but I'm saying like the Jags should have had this division in a stranglehold right now. Um, Especially with the CJ Stroud, Tank Dell, all those injuries. And they haven't. But it's not it's not like they're out of the race. They're still in the thick of it. I think ESPN gave them a 50% chance of making the playoffs after the loss last night. Just disappointed, like, especially after last season. Expected expected some more ascension here, Chief. Listen, man, I mean, I, I've been kind of low on the Jags since earlier this season. And I know they squeezed out a few, but they didn't. Listen, after that Kansas City game, that 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 showed me all I need to see from the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. That game was horrendous, and they were at home. Like I just, they something's missing with this team, and look, they're not getting it done now. Now you know me, Luch. I like to be fair here, and for all intents and purposes, you know I think there was a big debate between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I think coming out of their draft. And I feel like Trevor Lawrence has had a much better situation outside of the uh, coaching debacle hire his first year. He's had a much better situation. And we don't see anyone thinking that Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but we're ready to crucify Justin Fields when his situation has been way worse. Way more, and he's had to do a whole lot with way less, a whole lot more with way less. But we're okay getting rid of Justin Fields, but we're not okay getting rid of Trevor Lawrence. I think there's, I think there's some some bias there. The same way, uh, you know, we were ready to get rid of Andy Dalton, and I don't, and I know. I here's my thing. I think sometimes we. I think the media can sway opinions and things like that, and I think sometimes that's wrong. Why am I bringing that up? I want to go to the Chicago Bears game from this week where these guys 
you know, for all intents and purposes, they're playing a playoff team in the Browns. And I mean, they're look at they're, they're a Hail Mary away from winning a football game, but that's that's gonna go in the L column. And at the end of the season, Luch, we're gonna look back, we're gonna say, well, the Bears went out and got DJ Moore. But I mean, that's it. Now they've been kind of beefing up the defense here lately, right? Going out to get some defensive pieces. And at the end of the season, Luke, I feel confident saying that the Bears are going to have a new quarterback. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are still going to be stuck with Trevor Lawrence. It's business. Like, but but this is what we're seeing, Luke. Like, it's why am I so I'm bringing this up for for a variety of reasons because where you end up, man. And I'm going to parlay this into something. Where you end up when you're drafted matters a whole lot, right? We look at look. We, we go out to the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. If Josh Allen's on the Bears, he's probably written off. If Josh Allen goes to the Browns and they have 20 million losing seasons, they're written off. Baker Mayfield got drafted by the Cleveland Browns. And he looks to have possibly found a home in Tampa Bay. You know, like he's bounced around a little bit, but like where you end up matters. Jared Goff got drafted by the Rams. They ran him out of town, basically did a swap for him and Matt Stafford. And now he's in Detroit looking like he's going to carry this team to the playoffs. And I know I'm bouncing around here, but there's a, there's a method to the madness, Luce, because what did we start this show talking out about? We started talking about tiers. That's how we kicked the show off with our tiers discussion. And right now, we feel like San Francisco and Baltimore are the creme de la creme right now. What if Brock Purdy gets drafted by the Broncos? What? Trust me, he's probably still on the practice squad or not even in the NFL. You get what I'm saying, Luke? Like, like, you know, we go round and round in the circle and round and round, but the organization you go to, how they view the situation, how the new coaches view you, how the GM views you, how, how your teammates, all these things come into fruition, come into play. And I'm headed back up to tier one. I'm headed back up to tier one to talk about these two teams. Why is that? When you end up in the right situation, you have competent GMs, you have competent coaching, lose. You get competent offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Suddenly, teams take off. It's not rocket science. When I look at the San Francisco 49ers, what do I see? I see a team that has a competent GM with Lynch. I see a team that has competent coaching with Shanahan. I see a team that's invested into the offensive line, right? Luch, on the other side, I see a team that, while they may have been struggling earlier this season, they went out mid-season and made it made some investments, right? And went and got uh, Chase Young. They, they constantly invest in the right places, constantly. When I look at the Baltimore Ravens, yes, Luch, we're sitting here. Now, this is what we're saying, Luch, and, and I mean this. This is what we're saying as fans. Please get Lamar Jackson some help. My God, can we get him some skill position players? And what do they do every year? They treat him like prime Tom Brady. 
they don't go and get DeAndre Hopkins. They they don't go and get Mike Evans. They don't. Go, they drafted Zay Flowers in the draft. They went and got an aging Odell Beckham Jr. They picked up Isaiah Likely randomly, like in, in the draft. Like, but the offensive line is solid. The defensive line is solid. The linebacking core is solid. The back end is solid. Like, this is how they're building this team. They're saying, screw your skill position. We're going to build this thing the right way. And, Luch, when I sit back and look at it, look at what we have at the end of the day. Two teams that look like the cream of the crop for the NFL. Now, I'm not saying Dallas didn't build their team the right way, but they have some holes. As, as tenacious as this defense is supposed to be, man, they just got ramrodded yesterday. I mean, they just kept lining up, and it wasn't three yards in the cloud of dust. I'm talking about eight yards of carry here on some of these, Luke. We look at the Eagles. They've got issues on defense, right? We look at uh, who else do we consider a top-tier team. We look at the Lions. Their defense has been not been able to get a whole lot of pressure, and they're going to have to probably just start generating pressure. My point is – Situation matters. GM matters. Where you end up matters, Luch. And I think at the end of this season, as we wind down and start looking at playoff teams, I think we're going to start seeing some magical things because of how the stars align for some of these players in these organizations. And that's what makes Tier 1. That's the difference between Tier 1 to me and Tier 2 and Tier 3, where teams are just not getting it right. No stability. Last but not least, and I'll hand the mic back, yeah, the Carolina Panthers won yesterday, but that organization is terrible right now. Just terrible. Along with the Falcons and Arthur Smith, who should be out of the door today. He's not going to be out of the door today. I think he makes it through the whole season. But he's got to go. I think, think they bring him back. Well, I don't think it's the right move, but well, I think they bring him back. As, as many times as Arthur Smith comes back, as many times as they're going to win an NFC championship. None. And and I actually said that the wrong way, but I think there's going to be a lot of you know turnover. And Luch, I think I think if teams want to become tier one, as as the two teams we've talked about, I think it starts with lining up the GM and lining up the coach, so they're in sync, and then they can go out and build this thing the right way. Back so I think the the thing the one word that separates tier one from tier two of our food for thought little ranking system here is consistency. It's consistency. You're not getting these tier two 40 to you know ten lopsided games. I you know, I, I'm I'm still a firm believer that the Lions are not ready this year, but they're a good playoff team. And I was wrong. I took Denver with the points. Two teams I can't figure out all year is Denver and Detroit. Um, you know, Detroit's gone out and gotten molly whopped in some games. They come out, run train on the Broncos, right? I mean, it wasn't even a football game here. So hats off to Detroit. Jared Goff you know, doing his thing. They were, they were at home, by the way. They, they were, were at home. home. But, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, you take care of business against a quality Denver Broncos team. So huge win. Jared Goff absolutely carrying some people to uh, the semifinals in best ball, by the way. So really nice week to, be a, to have Jared Goff. If you do, good luck. Hats off to you. Hopefully you paired him with Sam Laporta because uh, that was just uh, a thorough butt kicking there. Um, you know, for so, but that's some of the you know inconsistencies with Detroit we've seen. You know, they come across country to have a big test against Baltimore and get you know schwacked like like it was a it was a Bills Cowboys slaughter. So, you know, those those tier two teams. I mean, Dallas looks like world beaters, like you know, like we were talking about, and 
And the Bills are a tier two team because they have many holes and injuries too. And you know, Dallas didn't get even get off the bus. I mean, you can say what you want. There are people uh, who are big on momentum and coming off highs and this and that, and they dominated the Eagles the week before. But you know, you're Dallas. You know what's at stake. Um, and the Bills had a lot at stake as well. Their odds are down to 12 to 1 on BetMGM, by the way. So if the, the, the Bills get in and get hot, I mean, look out. We don't have to spend a lot of time uh, on them because we've spent so much time on them in the last couple of weeks. So I got my 35 to 1 ticket in my pocket and you know, hopefully I have some good decision making to make. But sticking in that division right there, you know, Miami comes out, they hold Tyreek Hill out and a, a cap tip to Miami. You know, they took care of business. You know, the Jets are a little bit more of a mess than I think you or I would you know, want to give them credit for, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I did not expect, you know, a 30 to nothing game there. I thought it would be, I thought the Jets would make it a little more of a Jets game, a little uglier, but uh, it didn't happen. And Jalen Waddle went off. Tua said, you know, put some respect on my name uh, and played well. And, you know, we're good. Again, we talked about the last three weeks, the, the gauntlet. The gauntlet that most teams have went through in the regular season, Miami still hasn't gone through, and they're about to go through. Miami plays Dallas. Coming off of an ass-kicking at home at Hard Rock is going to be a fascinating, like, you know, see how Dallas rebounds. At the same time, this would be, like, the first staple win for Miami for me is, like, you know, beat Dallas by a touchdown at home, and, like, I'm on board with your Super Bowl upside if the roadmap lays out you know, in your favor in the AFC. And, uh, you know, as complete as the Ravens are, like you mentioned, you know, they're a team that you don't want to play too far from behind on. They kind of need neutral game script still. Maybe some people are sick of that narrative, but you're absolutely right. And Miami plays uh, Baltimore week 17 in Baltimore. That That's like, like make this a game. I don't even, I don't even need Miami to win that game. I need them for it to be within a touchdown, right? And then, like, I'll hit my unbeliever button. And then they end the season with Buffalo at home. So I'm excited to – this is not me bashing Miami. This is me, like, we're going to figure out who and what the Dolphins are made out of, you know, and they are able to give Tyreek Hill another week of rest. You're going to go play Dallas, who likes to play man coverage and, and send pressure. You're going to like – you're going to go play Baltimore, who's playing a little more zone than usual, uh, but they're going to get some pressure. And then, of course, you got the Bills. Maybe it's a revenge spot for Miami, who got absolutely whacked earlier in the season, which was one of their early tests, and they didn't show up for that game. I, I am expecting Miami to win that game because they're at home. I, I do expect Miami to win that one. And, and so let me say this too, Luke. Miami is a team that's, I think, they're ascending. Now, I'm not saying they're going to Tier 1 this season, but I'm saying – Getting Jalen Ramsey on that defense again, their defense back, you know, getting some continuity for a few games has helped them. Now, once again, that loss two weeks ago, still, I, I, I'm not forgetting that. Like, you still imagine if they won two weeks ago, beat Tennessee, your team, which they were supposed to beat. They beat Tennessee and then they beat the Jets. Like, now we're starting to see some separation here. Losing to Tennessee is still in my mind. I don't trust this team. But I do think at home they should be able to take care of business against Buffalo, even though Buffalo seems to be a city. Really, really, really gutsy win by Houston. Um, you know, no excuses. Tennessee, extremely shorthanded all year. But Houston, you know, Case Keenum, first start of the season, 
No Tank Dell, no Nico Collins. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons out for the Titans. I knew that would be huge. And they also cut Tahir Tart, you know, who, if you know, if you follow defensive you know, linemen, Tahir Tart is going to be, <clears throat> should find a home and be an asset next year to someone's favorite football team, as long as he can keep his head on his shoulders because he's a little bit of a, a little bit of a head case. Um, and Devin Singletary ran right over them, all right over them, right through them, right through the Titans defense, and just huge win for Houston. Will Levis got hurt. I was holding my breath. Looked like an ankle or a leg. I thought he broke it. I wasn't sure. Um, and no, he didn't play the best either. But you know, uh, you, you spoke about situations and and play and play calling, and you know, uh, it it matters for coaches too. Uh, but you know, here's the case of you know the Titans just atrocious play calling, and you know, offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. I'm not exactly sure you know, what his gripe is with trying to run Derrick Henry into the ground. I, I really don't understand. I, I know this is the identity, but, you know, I, I'm I'm getting a little skeptical uh, of the play calling here. I mean, Henry was bottled. And you look at uh, fantasy data points, great site. Houston ranked number one in allowing adjusted rushing yards before contact. So this is a very good rushing defense. And... um. Up until, let's see, late in the game, late in the fourth quarter, this is every first down play of every drive. I'm sorry, every first down play, right? Every first down play. Derrick Henry run two yards. Derrick Henry run negative three yards. Uh, Pass to Derrick Henry three yards. Derrick Henry zero yards. Tajay Spear one yard. Pass to Traylon Burks 20 yards, okay? Tajay Spears run negative five yards. Derrick Henry run five yards. Derrick Henry negative three yards. Derrick Henry negative two yards. Derrick Henry two yards. Derrick Henry negative seven yards. Derrick Henry two yards. At some point, you got to swallow your pride. We know who Derrick and, and it's taking nothing away from Derrick Henry, who was still an asset. But if you're getting bottled up on every single first down play, and I'm an armchair GM, what do we know? And we're going to get into some more terrible coaching decisions very shortly on the show. But it's 2023 and you have Will Levis who's shown you a lot, came off a legacy comeback against the Dolphins. You need to throw the ball on first down in this, in this, in this, in this league. Like not or, all the or time. Or 50% of the time, at least. Or, or what are or, we doing here? Or, or 30% of the time. Like just have some creativity. Luch, and this is something I think we've talked about, which is why I hate the Carolina Panthers this season. Where's the creativity? Where, where, where's the imagination to just be creative, be explosive, take some shots. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, you can just, I know, I know establishing the run is important. You don't have to establish the run by establishing the run. If you start airing it out, that thing's going to open it up and you have the perfect quarterback and wide receiver combination to do it. You open it up early Luke, and establish the run through the pass. So listen to me. Listen to me boy. here. My boy, my boy. Derrick Henry, I took Derrick Henry season long rushing yards at I think 1,175 yards. Let me let me check. I want to make sure that I'm being accurate here. I don't want to lie to the, the American people and I don't want to lie to myself. Yes, 1175 and a half. I took more than that projection. Luch, three weeks ago, Derrick Henry had like 800 yards. Three weeks ago. Luch, at that time, I think Derrick Henry needed to average 60, somewhere between 60 and 70 yards to get there a game. 
Since that time, I feel like Derrick Henry's had a 20-yard rushing game, a 30-yard rushing game, and then yesterday like a nine-yard rushing game on 15 carries. Like, what, what is happening here? They're giving him the ball on first down a lot. It's it's so bad. Like, I, I, I think I'm in danger of missing this. How many more games do they have? I think they have, what, three games? Mm-hmm. They play the Seahawks next week. They're at home. God, I hope Derrick Henry rushes for 200 yards. Because if not, I think I'm dead. The week after that, they go to the Texans. Can't expect them to do much against that defense right now. And then they close it out, Luke, with the Jaguars coming to Tennessee. Another and that's it. Yeah. I've got three weeks for Derrick Henry to basically get 300 yards. That's not happening. Just not kill my, just, just, just kill my season long. Yep. My gosh, what, what just, is that? There's so much ineptness. You know, and these guys have been doing this thing their whole lives, coming up through different systems, collegiate level, NFL level, working their way up through certain coaching trees and organizations. And still we sit here and, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. But I can show you what you're running on every first down. <laughs> I can see yeah. that dumb trend that apparently you can't pick up on. <laughs> it's not rocky science here. It, Ryan Tannehill's not your quarterback anymore. You have a guy who's leading the year, um, t- one of the league leaders in you know air yards and you know yards per attempt, Leeson. and we've seen his rocket arm. It's Leeson. not Brian Tannehill. Leeson, Leeson, Leeson to me. I'm, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm not going to turn on my accent, but here's what I'm saying, Luch. You have an accent? Yes, I, I can turn it on. I have multiple accents, by the way. Do you? Um, yes, yes. That just comes from my years of you know just imitating people. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I did used to do stand-up comedy in college. So that's that's where a lot of that came from. Here's the, here's the deal. Luce, they could go hard play action on every first down for the rest of the year and probably pick up 10 yards every play at this yeah. point. Because what, what has the data told them? Like for anybody that's kind of deep diving or just watching the film, oh, don't worry about it, guys. Just be patient. They're going to run the ball on first down. So, if 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 they know that, Luke, I think the first play of the next game, I come out, I go hard play action, and I mean hard too. I'm talking about jumbo set, maybe one wide receiver out there, maybe just D hop, hard play action, and I'm sending Chigo Conquo and the crew out on every route possible, and I'm saying, hey, we're going to get you. Then maybe the next play, Luch, maybe I go four wide. Maybe I just spread the whole thing out. Keep Derrick Henry out there. Throw it again. Third down, Luch. Or maybe we pick up a first down now. Maybe I go four wide and maybe I give it to Derrick Henry on a draw. Ooh. The, the, Whoa, what, what the, the, other problem, just... the, the other problem is here, I and like I think they are trying to protect Levis because the offensive line right now, you have a seventh-round rookie in Jalen Ju- Duncan starting. You have an undrafted player named Calvin Throckmorton, who I just discovered was a human being two weeks ago when I saw him, you know, inserted into the football game. Aaron Brewer, center, top five among uh, centers and pressures allowed. You know, you have a, a, a 49ers uh, cast off in Brunskill, who's a journeyman that Grant Carthon brought in. And you have Dylan Radin, who's just a failure of a project. So I, I, un- I understand that, like, bigger picture, like, I, I get – I actually appreciate it a little bit, but it's still, but Levis still almost, you know, died out there. Like he almost broke his ankle out there anyway. So 
I, I, I get that aspect. While we're at it, and this maybe this will be our last elephant in the room and we can tie some things in with our look ahead. Again, we're just guys. We're, ju- we're just guys. I like to call ourselves experts. Maybe. I think we are. I'm modest. We know what we're doing. I mean, we sift through so much data. I can't say I know everything, and I certainly don't. But again, we're not affiliated with any NFL organization, right? We're not. We're not, we're not coaching. You know, I have minimal coaching you know, experience, you know, high school, collegiate stuff. I don't really coach. You know, you, you, co- you coach, right? But we're not professional sports coaches. What on God's green earth happened in that Commanders-Rams game? I have never seen so much ineptness from a coaching staff. I don't know who's to blame. Is it Ron Rivera? Is it Eric Benemy? Is it both of them? I mean, this the situation is as follows. Sam Howell gets benched. Okay. Jacoby Brissett comes in and offers a spark. All right. Okay. Are you going to go back to Sam Howell next week? What's his ego looking like? This is your guy you're supposed to be sticking with. That's a separate conversation. You, I'll let you follow up on that. But the Rams were up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The commanders get down to the two-yard line. They get stuffed a few times. And there's oh, like five was, and change on the awful. clock. It, it was awful. It was like, and they had a almost six. Got I, a think, I think they scored a touchdown with and then and then there was a penalty which pushed them back. So on fourth, yeah, and so on fourth down, McLaurin drew a DPI. They get back to first and goal. They get stuffed again. And what did they do? They let the clock run down to the two-minute warning. They're down by two touchdowns. They didn't yeah. they huddled, they huddled every play during this goal situation. I think they ran six. Just to have the Chris Rodriguez for negative one, negative three. They ran the play clock down to five. There was no urgency. How valuable is that time from five and change to the two-minute warning left in the game? Those are like three – those are probably the three most valuable minutes outside of the two-minute warning. I know that sounds stupid. In football. But if, if, you, if you get the ball in the end zone with five minutes left, yeah, then you, you have a chance stop, you, you, get a stop. You, you don't even have to take your timeouts right away. Like because you, maybe, maybe on first down when they run it, Luch, and you and and you get a stop. You say, "Okay, I'll give them forty seconds, right?" So you're down to um, because I think there was like five thirty six ish, maybe left when they got the ball. I was kind of following that game yesterday. Somewhere up in there, let's just call it five minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah, and you score, you kick it off. They run it on first down. You stop them. They, they pick up two yards. I think that's reasonable. They pick up two. Second and eight. You stop them. They take 40 seconds off the clock, so you're down to, you know, four minutes, 50 seconds, right? They run it again. They pick up three yards. Now it's third and five, Luch, and they're going to throw the ball on third and five, right? Because now they need to pick up the first time because they, they want more time. So they ran another 45 seconds off the clock, and now they're down to four minutes, five seconds. And maybe you, maybe, maybe, Luke, you call the timeout there. Maybe. And because now you feel like they're going to throw the ball 
And if you get a stop, then you don't. Or Luch, you could say, okay, this is this one other one. You say, okay, we let this one ride. They throw the ball. It's incomplete. We don't have any. We don't have any turnovers. Or we stop them ahead of first down. Then we take our timeout. You get what I'm saying? But you can play it that way when you've got three. And you say, okay, we take the timeout here, or we don't. If they throw it and it's incomplete or it's broken up or whatever, now Luch, you've got roughly what four minutes or three minutes thirty. Let's just call it three minutes thirty seconds to march down the field. So you have an extended two-minute drill with possibly three timeouts, two to three timeouts left. And the score is 28-20 because, you know, we, we know that Sly missed the extra point. Could have been 28-21, 28-20. So in my mind, I don't even know how they mismanaged this situation. I'm not a professional coach, and I know, like, how valuable that, that time was because they had a shot at another possession Ron Rivera will also be out the door, and I hate it for Eric Bieniemy because as as much as people I think have advocated for him to be a head coach, he went to a situation where he wouldn't be free and kind of I think show the world that he could be successful without Andy Reid. And I think for to be honest for you, for about fifty percent of this season, he proved that. Like he had Sam Howell in this offense humming along, they just couldn't win because their defense was giving up so much. Well, now the offense isn't even scoring points. So, but he bent how he brought in Brissett. Brissett was able to get it done, but they mismanaged the clock. I, I, I don't know. I think this whole coaching staff is gone, though, for what it's worth. I, I agree. I especially would have, like, if you want accountability, and we look at what the Chargers did, you know, earlier in, in the week, accountability, they cleaned house right after that thumping. Everyone, almost everybody, yeah. gone. GM, but, but loose. They had to do it, right? Like, yeah, Absolutely. we know we know Justin Herbert wasn't playing, but don't we feel like this team has been unraveling since last season? Excuse yes. me. Don't we feel like this team has been unraveling since before last season? Excuse yes. me. Don't we feel like this team has been unraveling the season before the season last season? Like, this team's been unraveling, and they gave him plenty of chances. Guess what? I'm okay with that. I feel like the Chargers have been fair. They didn't let anybody force their hand. I think they said, okay, we're going to try to do this the right way, right? Look, I think they were very fair with Brandon Staley, man. Super fair, Luz, don't you think? Like, oh, yeah. he probably should have yes. been gone last season, and they yes. gave him another season to get it right, and it's gone downhill. Now, yes, I know they've had some injuries, but, I mean, the Raiders just put a stomping on it. I mean, it was bad play after bad play after bad play. And I think the Chargers – look, man, I mean, honestly – I'm going to clap it up for the Chargers because I think they were so fair. Like, that's the most fair they've been with the coach. Absolutely. Yep. But they also – accountability right after the game, get rid of, you know, many people of high positions. I, Ron Rivera should have been canned yesterday. Ron Rivera should have been gone yesterday. That That's that's what I'm thinking. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Unless unless the front office doesn't want Eric Benenemy to get a hand in – you know, the uppers, you know, why are we not hiring, you know, the enemy internally, like that kind of thing. He's going to get looks regardless to go somewhere else. And I think you made a really nice assessment. He's been pretty damn good. If I'm bringing him in for an interview next year, I say, listen, I like what you did. You've been a part of a lot of high profile coaching staffs. You know, you're with Andy Reid and the Chiefs. You you know, you had a lot of creativity with uh, Sam Howell, who, I don't even know. Like, is he a, is he a starting quarterback for the next five years? Who knows? Like, 
who knows how to grade Sam Howell and what he's going to be. I, I really don't know. But, you know, you can show enough on tape that there was some creativeness there. They're letting him sling it 50 times a game. That's for yeah. sure. But I say I love what you did. And you know what I do? I throw up this sequence in the meeting room when I'm having my interview with Eric Bieniemy, And I said, you better have a damn good reasoning of what happened in this meltdown with the Rams game and what your hand in what your hand in that whole situation was. Like, yeah. if he had power in that situation, it's absolutely embarrassing. Like, someone needs to be held accountable yeah, he, for that He game. should have been calling the plays, though. That, that's the thing, Luke. Like, look, Eric Bieniemy, I don't think he's absolved here. He, he should have been calling the plays. No way I'm going to keep running the ball at that stage in the game. Now, look, Luke, hear me out here. On the one-yard line, goal line, you hand it off the first time. I get it. You should. He, he, look. They get a touchdown on the first first uh, rushing attempt here. We're having a totally different discussion. Now today we're probably talking about how the Rams even let them back in this game, right? That's what we're talking about, but that's not what we're talking about. But at some point, like, come on, Eric. Like, we, we what's, the, what's the play call here? Like, come on, buddy. By the way, the Rams are uh, pretty sneaky. I, I may have had a – a little profit boost, and I may have sprinkled some lunch money in them at 80 to 1 before they beat New Orleans on this Thursday. Never know. Okay. Never know. Yeah. 80 to 1. I'll, I'll take I'll take some wax. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like they should have won that game by 28, but Kyron Williams fumbled twice. You know, there was just some more. Listen, they would have been up 21-0 quickly. Two Kyron Williams fumbled at the most inopportune time cost them serious scoring opportunities there. Um, you know, they come out the second half, Stafford hits uh Cooper Cup down the sideline, they just left him wide open. Uh, I think they brought him out of the back on a wheel route or something. It was something some weird uh route combination that just had the, the secondary fooled, I mean fooled down the sideline. And uh so the Rams did their job, they, they got the W. Every game isn't gonna be pretty till the end, but the Washington Commanders definitely handed them a win or at least less of a sweat at the end. The reason we didn't mention the 49ers much is because they were so dominant. And I know they gave up 29 points, whatever. They were coasting at that point late. Brock Purdy looked great. Debo Samuel doing his thing. Christian McCaffrey monster game. Christian McCaffrey, the overall RB one in fantasy draft next year. There's no doubt about it at this point. Have to feel a little bit weird about drafting a a 28 plus year old running back, you know, 1.1 overall, but, I mean, in this system, you know, there's always injury risk no matter who you draft. And we've seen that this season because half of the first two rounds got wiped out by injuries, you know, in most snake draft formats. So the 49ers keep chugging along. They are uh, a tier one team with Baltimore. And, you know, they're my 1A. You'll probably agree with me there. They're 1A. Like if you have to, if you, you know, which is the best team in tier one, it's, it's, it's the 49ers, I think. But and that's not taking anything away from Baltimore. It's almost more impressive what Baltimore is doing with with like the lesser amounts of talent, like you were talking about, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, kudos to the 49ers. And uh, so we have a fun week of football. Smack dab in between the holiday season. We have a Thursday night game, which I, I talked about. Saints and the Rams. We don't have to spend really any time on that. But we have two Saturday games, Chief. And uh, the first game is Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, which has a hell of a lot of playoff implications for everyone involved, right? Pittsburgh's kind of reeling now with, obviously, Trubisky, um, which I didn't think was going to be much of a downgrade from Kenny Pickett, but it, it is. Uh, and Jake Browning, who we talked about last week, 
and they just let it rip. They keep letting him run that same offense. They're passing uh, at a high rate of neutral uh, in neutral game scripts. And uh, that's going to be a really fun 430 game. And then the 8 o'clock game is Buffalo going to the Chargers across the country. And normally, you know, with the way they're reeling, I, you know, Easton Stick looked horrible. It was bad. You would hope Buffalo can take care of business. And I think they will. But but there's still that human aspect of sports where funny things happen when there's a new coaching regime the week after they get canned. We, we see it a lot in the NBA. Whenever there's some drastic shakeup, there's a little bit more of adrenaline because there's accountability. Everyone's going to be playing for a spot on you know, for NFL football franchise with a new coaching regime coming into town at some point. Um, I think you might see a little more spunk from the Chargers, you know, but I expect them to take care of business. Talk to me about you know Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, You know what your thoughts are of both of them. Obviously dealing with a hell of a lot of injury issues. What tier can you put those two teams on, and who do you expect to win that game Saturday between the Bengals and Steelers? Uh, I'm going with the Bengals, and purely because I think the Bengals are um, – I think they've got the momentum. I think the Steelers, man, as they're coming down. So let me say this. As much as we feel like maybe Kenny Pickett was not the answer in Pittsburgh, and I still don't think he's quite the answer, for whatever reason, they found ways to win games. And say what you want, Luch. Like, they didn't win every game, but I'm saying they found ways to win games with Kenny Pickett. That's not happening here with Trubisky. It's just not. Like, they're losing. And, you know, so that I can't in good faith, Luch, say that I think the, uh, the Steelers are going to win this game. I think the Bengals are going to win this game. And once again, I'm not backing off my stance. It's the NFL. The NFL, in my mind, for the rest of this season, stands for No Faith League. We've seen this song and dance before, Luch. Bengals are winning some games. They're riding high. And suddenly they, they put up a clunker against Pittsburgh and let Pittsburgh right back in the wild card. Like I, So I think the Bengals should win. I think the Bengals have the most momentum. And I'm going to stick with that, but I don't feel great about it. So many big games. Uh, Sunday's card, uh, Cleveland and Houston. A lot of lot of playoff implications on the line there between Cleveland and Houston. And I don't know if you can see behind me, but my apologies. Uh, we, if you missed any of our previous shows, we adopted kittens, and they're absolutely just flying around right now, living their best lives. They're like two pounds, and they are just zooming. Living my best life. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite impersonation to do? Have you? Do you have like a go-to in all your years of stand-up? And- um, nah, I don't. I don't really have a go-to. Um, I just it's 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 just part of the comedy, man. It just happens to happens to flow like it's. So for me, and let me say this too: this this will be story time, a short story time, and then we can just close the show out at the end. Uh, this will be story time in the middle, so she asked me that question, Luke. So when I did stand-up, I did actually write material, but I didn't write it out as if I wrote out the whole joke. I wrote down ideas. So let's say I was out and about somewhere, I was in a restaurant, and I saw something funny. I write, I just write it down. I said, oh, I thought that was funny. I'm at Walmart. I'm at the mall. I'm at the car dealership, wherever. You know, I'm sitting at home on my couch. I see a funny commercial. I write, oh, so, oh, yeah, that was funny. I like that. Like, and not to take it, 
but to turn it into a, a comedic presentation. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's what I ended up doing with, with comedy. And some of that meant that, you know, I had to, to imitate, you know, how I think a policeman would say something or how I felt like a doctor would say something, um, you know, just stuff like that. And so it, it ended up being uh, pretty fun. I, I had a good good time doing stand-up. And, you know, I'm not going to say I was Kevin Hart or Steve Harvey or, you know, um, you know, Gabriel Iglesias. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say I was any of those guys, but I was, I was pretty funny. I had I stuck with it. Uh, you know, maybe Chief walks a different path, and you know, maybe maybe I am on a couple stages doing doing some some sets. But um, you know, I did it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was amazing. Um, and there's nothing like doing stand up comedy, man. Like going on stage, and uh, you're in front of people you don't know, Luke. And here's the thing about stand up: it's not like sitting in class making people laugh. When you walk on that stage, people are not necessarily paying you when, when you're at the level I was at. I was just in college, you know, at a local local club, you know, just, you know, getting in, you know, once a week. But people are expecting you to walk on stage and make, like the expectation is you they want to laugh. That's, to, it's a totally different vibe. And you kind of have to get your flow with the audience, right? At least from my perspective, you know, when I went out there, I may have like in my mind, like, okay, this is kind of how I want to craft my 15 minutes, my 20 minutes, you know, and then lose. The interaction with the audience could take this thing to a totally different place. And so for me, I was big on punchlines. I was big on punchlines, Luch. And I know we got to get back to football. This is a football show. Sorry, guys, for the rabbit hole here. I was big on punchlines. And so, Luch, when I found, like, if I'm interacting with the audience and I found a punchline that I felt like they could disconnect with, some way I would just keep rolling that punchline into another joke and they wouldn't see it coming until it was like, oh, he got us again with the punchline. So, um, and I'll say one of my favorite comedians that I saw in person at a local comedy club as well. This is when I, I went, I went out, me and my friends went out to a comedy club just to kind of laugh and have some fun. This was when smartphones were first like coming in, you know, people were swiping and touching the screen. And a guy really put together a really good set just talking about the swipe and swiping the phone and just how people it, it was so creative, man. One of the funniest sets I've seen. I can't remember the guy's name. Absolutely one of the funniest sets I've seen from a no-name, no-name comedian. Uh, just incredible stuff. So anyway, love stand-up comedy. That's how I got there. Story time's done, folks. So back to football, and we'll close this thing out with football. I, I have a brief story time at the end. It'll be quick, I promise. Um, yes. Cool, cool, cool stuff though, man. And man, that that brought back a, a flashback. Um, yeah, so you're a couple years older than me, so that makes sense if you were like doing the college thing, and I was like in one of my years of high school. But I remember like right when that smartphone era came out or, or whatever, my buddy got the uh, Motorola Gold Razor. I was like, oh man, you got the the Razor. Remember the Razor phones? Like that was in the era of like Blackberries and uh, the little candy bar phones and stuff. And I remember it was always funny when you accidentally went on the internet, right? Because you hit the button. Oh my God, AT&T is going to charge me you know, by the second for hitting the internet. Now we live on our phones. On We're always connected. It's just crazy how in the last, you know, 15 years, you know, technology has evolved in our, in our little hands here. It's like we go from, oh my God, I accidentally clicked on the internet. I'm going to get charged another $100, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Now it's like if you're not on the internet on your phone, you can't live without it. 
So just funny how uh, how things change. But since you know you're good at Im- imitating impersonations, is there an impersonator in this Cleveland Houston game? Cleveland's the five seed right now in the AFC. Houston clinging to that eight seed. I'm imagining we see CJ Stroud play. I'm imagining we see Nico Dell play. I do think this offense is going to be. I'll be objectively a little bit worse without Tank Dell with how damn good he's been, you know, since he unfortunately went down. But do you have any expectations for either one of these teams? And um, are either of them contenders for the Super Bowl or with their situations? Are they kind of just imitating right now? Uh, As long as C.J. Stroud is not playing, I'm going to give this nod to the Browns. If C.J. Stroud is playing, then I'll revisit it. And which he might play this week because, you know, he was in protocol last week. So. If he plays, I think, you know, the Texans have a much better shot. But listen to me, man. I I think Joe Flacco and what he's doing with this Browns team, Steve, I mean, Luke, sorry. What's happening is you're getting a veteran mind with a with a, a old frame. So it's not like Joe Flacco's young and spry, and he's never been, like, extremely mobile. But what you're getting, Luch, is the old-school gunslinger out here in this offense that's making things happen. And look, let me tell you something. Did you see that pass he threw to Amari Cooper yesterday between three people in zone coverage? That was between three people. Like, that was pinpoint accuracy, and Amari Cooper just runs into the end. Now, Amari Cooper had to create on the end. But listen, Joe Flacco, a throw. For for Joe, man, like like, and that's what you're getting here. For, he's pretty fresh, hasn't played much all season. Boy, don't the Jets maybe wish they had him in, had him suiting up for those five or six weeks, ten weeks that Aaron Rodgers was out. Now, I'm exaggerating because Aaron Rodgers was out the whole season. But if Joe Flacco plays in some of those games, maybe the Jets win three or four more, and Aaron Rodgers decides, hey, Joe, thanks, you know, I'll come back and relieve you those duties. As an example, but. Uh, if 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 Stroud doesn't play, I'm giving a nod to the Browns. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I, I'm with that. I, I think another interesting matchup, you know, obviously Detroit and Minnesota because Minnesota's currently the six. There's a logjam of seven and seven NFC teams, um, and I, I can't back this Minnesota team uh, with their state no. of state of the union right now. No. I mean, hell hell of a game. It was very entertaining against the Bengals. That was a fun game. But listen, they hold on one second. One second. They are in the playoff hunt. Like, you can't take that away from Viking. Like that, you know. If you're a fan, you're like, hey, let's do this thing, right? Um, and they're taking on Detroit, who's ten and four right now. But you know, with the with the state of the Eagles situation, if the Eagles do lose to Seattle on Monday night, both teams are ten and four, and you know, there's a chance that Detroit catches and passes the Eagles this season. So, uh, pretty pretty big game for everyone involved in terms of divisional rivalries in the playoff picture. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing. What I was going to say is there is a game of the week, Luch, and it's once again going to include the Dallas Cowboys. It just is, right? Like, we saw them go to go to Buffalo and get shellacked. What happens, Luch, if they go to Miami? I don't feel like they have to win in Miami for what it's worth because I feel like their seed is already cemented at this point. I don't think the Eagles are going to lose tonight, and I don't think they're losing next week against the Giants, for what it's worth. I don't I don't think. But lose. If the Cowboys lose to the Dolphins by more than 20, it's, it's going to be ugly in Dallas. I can tell you that right now. 
could be real ugly in Dallas. And I think that's the game of the week. Inversely, if Miami wins in convincing fashion, then I think we're going to start distancing ourselves a little bit further away from that loss to Tennessee. It's uh, it's tier two football, baby. I mean, it's food for thought. Tier two football. Tier two football. Luke's statement of statement of the rest of this season. It's tier two football. We don't know what's going to happen. It's one and a half point spread, but I wouldn't be shocked if either team won by three touchdowns. With with how volatile they've been, and how you know, right when you buy in, they let you down. Ever, ever, it's like the story of both teams here. I, I think a win for either team would just do a like would go a long way in terms of just for their organ like building the locker room. Like if we're thinking about this, you damn well know there's players inside of each organization that are saying we really need this one to like gauge ourselves here to know that we got it. Um, as much pressure as Dallas will bring, you know, and they love to play a lot of man coverage, single high. That's why I thought those Eagles Dallas games were really fascinating because they both play man coverage single high at a really high rate. Uh, Tua has had 56 dropbacks against man coverage single high. He's got a 131 quarterback rating, which is the second best in the NFL against that coverage. So we'll see, man. Uh, you know, we we saw Josh Allen in the same matchup yesterday. He didn't even have to do anything. He threw for 97 yards. It was the James Cook breakout game. We didn't even talk about it, which even so much further blows my mind that the Philadelphia Eagles could not or refuse to run the ball with any of this run game that they have behind that offensive line against Dallas. Like, like how how is Philadelphia behind this offensive line, right? Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey podcast. You know, you have these guys who are just maulers up front. If I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm saying, you know, if I'm on the Eagle staff, we need to run the ball against this Cowboys team if and when they pop up again. If James couldn't, James Cook's a great player. I'm I'm thrilled that they're finally kind of almost centering, like slowly centering this offense more more to him and, and less to Stephon Diggs. And guess what? It works. And Stephon Diggs will get his no doubt. And Dalton Kincaid didn't even have a catch. Did he even have a catch yesterday? I don't think so. I mean, but Josh out. Nope. Josh, uh, he barely threw the ball. Exactly. He threw it so fifteen blind. times. So so, so plenty like, of guys didn't get get anything. So and we, we a couple weeks ago we talked about oh I talked about you know, before the Bills kind of started like stringing together some dubs here about how stale it got giving Dalton Kincaid and Diggs twenty five targets to combine the game like much easy to game plan when you know where you know sixty five to seventy percent of the volume is going ah well you add the James Cook element in right in the past game a little bit more in the past game second half of the season um, and he did it on the ground so. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting spot. Can the Dolphins' offensive line hold up against Micah Parsons and the company? Half of that team's been in a body bag the last couple of weeks. They they really got hit by injuries in that Titans game. Um, yeah, that you know, oh, it's a game in the trenches. Going to be one in the trenches. I feel I feel like such a like high school football coach saying that. But I think if they give Tua some time against this man coverage and Tyreek is back, it, it's a it's a perfect spot for Miami at home to kind of make their statement. Yeah, love that call. Love that call for sure. That's Christmas Eve, so we have just an amazing Christmas Eve slate. Um, Jacksonville, Tampa, uh, the division-leading Bucks. you know they're rooting for the Rams on Thursday. Here's the thing we didn't mention. Trevor Lawrence actually went into c- concussion protocol this morning. So we'll see. I mean, he's got till Sunday afternoon, but 
obviously, you know, as disappointing as he's kind of been for the most part, um, he's obviously an upgrade from uh, CJ coming in. But, you know, Tampa Bay, it's like, of course, as a fan and as an organization, like, you want to raise the banner. You, you want to win the division. And your favorite team's in that division. But, like, none of those teams are set up for the future right now. I don't think they're close. I, I think Mike Evans is going to walk too for Tampa. Um, like they ha- each team has some pieces a- and you talk about, you talked about players coming into bad situations. What about coaches? Like you think Arthur Smith was thrilled, was thrilled about Desmond Ritter or like, what if the Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryan's um, like uh, lobbying for coach head coaching spots were flipped. And, you know, D'Amico Ryan's was in New York and Robert Sala was in Houston. Right. Like, but getting back to the NFC South, you win this division. I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be one and done most likely in the playoffs, and you draw the number one you know strength of schedule out of your division you know competition for next season. Like you almost get set back by winning the NFC South this year, uh, and probably being a one and done. When I think all these teams are are pretty damn far away from being legit Super Bowl contenders. Like, what do you even root for as a fan? Of course, you want to win the division. You want to. You're a Buccaneers fan. Post Tom Brady, you want to see your boys in the playoffs, of course. But it might be hellish, scary times, you know, moving forward. I mean, it's been a nice little run for your boy Baker. Not, not the Dallas Cowboys have got to come to town. They can't win on the road. I'd love to see Dallas go to Tampa Bay first first round of the playoffs. That, that, that's an example. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even sure how it breaks out in terms of the the standings right now. But listen. Buccaneers get a shot at one home game. They they got a shot to get out of the playoffs at least or to, to get one under their belts and then lose. Anything can happen. It's the no-faith league. Anything right. can happen right. in the NFL right. unless unless they got to go to San Francisco. And <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. Anything the, can the happen except winning in San Francisco. <laughs> and, and, I, and as I say that, all it takes is Brock Purdy to go down in that game. And all of a sudden, we might be singing a different tune. Well, you kind of contradicted yourself there a little bit. Because earlier in the show, you said, what if Brock Purdy was in Denver? Which I understand. I mean, okay, the scheme, the scheme, the skill players in San Fran are second to none. No doubt. No doubt. But Brock Purdy could throw some ball. Like, you know, oh, there's so much talk everywhere about, oh, it's bubble screen, it's design stuff. You can spin it a little bit, man. But I see what you're saying. The opportunity might not have came up. First of all, in another situation, you're stuck behind Russell Wilson and his bajillion dollars. They're not going to play Brock Purdy over you unless something happens, right? But this was almost a Drew Bledsoe. I'm not – oh, God, before this gets blown out of context, Brock Purdy's not Tom Brady. No, 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 no. But it was almost a Drew Bledsoe guy hurting his next man up. Here we go. Let's do this thing. And Tom Brady, what? We know the story. Almost almost wasn't drafted. And, well, holy, sh- holy shit, here we are. And he's pretty damn good. So – it, it was a little lucky, right? That, like obviously, some some scout somewhere, the organization had to have faith in in Brock Purdy in the scouting and knew the name. But the cards broke in such an un like just a peculiar way for the way the quarterback timeline was playing out in San Francisco. That here's Brock Purdy, and he's pretty good. So so like, what's what's your? How do you really feel about Brock Purdy? Let me ask you that. Give me, give me your real Brock Purdy. No, no. So, so for me, here, here's what I think. Like, I think Brock Purdy's fine. I don't, I don't think Brock Purdy's a bad quarterback. Like, I don't, I, I've, I've never felt like 
Brock Purdy was a bad quarterback. Did I feel like Brock Purdy was being possibly overrated because of the situation? Yes. So, as an example, Luke, if you took Brock Purdy and sent him to Carolina right now, do we still win football games? No. If you take Brock Purdy and you send him to Tampa Bay, do they win more football games? Maybe. If you, okay, if you sent Brock Purdy to Atlanta, do they win more football games? Probably. If you sent Brock Purdy to the Jets, do they win more football games? Probably. If you sent Brock Purdy to Kansas City, do they win more football games? No, I don't I don't think so. If you sit in a Dallas, do they win more football games? No. Philly, no. Um, Minnesota, um, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. you do. May I th- well, I, I, I'm saying maybe because for a good portion of a good portion of Minnesota season now, Justin Jefferson has been out. You get what I'm saying? So that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, if you send them to the to the Bears, do they win more football games? Maybe. But why am I bringing this up, Luch? Situation matters. And that, that's the thing with the NFL that I think is the gray area, right? And I know I know we've harped on this all podcast, but I, I think it's important for us to understand as fans and, you know, analysts and, and, and people that listen to the pod, situation matters so much. You get an incompetent coaching staff that wants to call the game a certain way, and they're committed to calling it that way, even to their detriment. Oh, I understand. I, 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 it's Re- like revisit it the Derrick Henry conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll kill your career. So when you got a team like Shanahan or, or a coach like Shanahan who's creative, you got a coach like McDaniel's who's creative. You get a coach like McVeigh who's creative, right? You, you get those creative – you get a coach like Andy Reid who's creative, and suddenly it can change your career. It doesn't change your season. It changes your career, Luke. But certain coaches change your career in the opposite direction. And that's what I think we're seeing with, with, with Justin Fields. That's what I think we're seeing with Bryce Young. That, that's what I think we're seeing with, let's call it Will Levis. You know, that's what I think we're seeing with um, the New York Giants. And I know Brian Dable, we we, we want to call him a mastermind. He has not been able to get um, Danny Dimes going. I don't care what they say. Danny Dimes has not really been good, okay? So I don't want – you see what I'm saying? Because I think he's committed to a certain style and there needed to be a little bit more of an evolution of Daniel Jones. And and look, I, I may be on an island about this, but I think we were – see, last season, Luch, they dangled the carrot and everybody took the bait because the Giants won some football games. But they still weren't really a good football team like that. They, they still – you see what I'm saying? To but me, it's – it's almost like they the Buccaneers situation. It's almost, for to me, that's like the Buccaneers in twenty twenty three. And I don't mean that to be like mean or disrespectful, but they can win the division. And and, and I know the Giants didn't win the division, but you know thing, things played out in their favor, and they were like slightly better than five hundred. But they a good football team. They're tier three. They're just yeah. in the you know 
they're they're in the lunch line, man, but they're not eating, you know? Like it's just who they are. Um yeah, a lot of good stuff here. I love chopping it up with you about this stuff. Looking at the Sunday main slate, uh that Miami Dallas game has a one and a half point spread and the highest total at fifty one. Um, Dak and Tua on DK are both priced just like it. Dak is the highest priced quarterback for the Sunday main slate, 7,900. Tua is at 7,800. You do have Justin Fields at 7,100 against Arizona. And I'm kind of feeling like that's going to be the public guy, right? Probably. Um, because you got CJ Stradwood under him against Cleveland, maybe some Jared Goff after the monster game against Minnesota. Uh, but the Vikings have been low key, pretty good defensively. You know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, is he going to play against Tampa Bay? 6,600. Jordan Love against Carolina. Your Panthers have been pretty stingy against the pass. You know, I'll, I will say that. So I'm not really feeling Jordan Love. You know, Kyler Murray against Chicago, pretty cheap rushing upside. Maybe it's another Baker Mayfield week against the Jaguars who cannot stop a nosebleed against the pass at 6K. I, you know, I said I didn't think Tampa Bay was a good team, but it doesn't mean, you know, Baker and these receivers can't ball out in a good matchup. And we saw that. Uh, we saw that happen in week 15. So Baker 6K at home against the Jags. I don't mind that at all. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dak and Tua being the highest priced quarterbacks uh, in that game? Do you, do you think there'll be points in that game? Do you think it'll live up to the Vegas uh, projected hype right now? Uh, I do think there are going to be some points. I mean, we saw the we, we saw the Buffalo Bills score 31 points. And I think their offense is more explosive than, I mean, it's less explosive than Miami in a nutshell. If we get Tyreek back, it's going to get ugly here. So I don't I don't know if Dallas actually has answers for the Miami offense. The question is, can Dallas keep up? We got to find out this week. I think the points will be there, though. Dallas definitely doesn't come out and score three points this week or ten points. I, th- I think they put points on the board. Yeah, I just think it comes down to the health of that Dolphins offensive line because, um, you know, you, you have some motion plays and you have – you know, some quick pass stuff. But you know, when Tua and this offense are doing damage, they're using play action. They are using motion, some of it together. But it's just this longer developing stuff, um, you know, to try to get your guys open. But, you know, Robert Hunt, I don't know what his status is. You know, he's listed out in the ESPN depth chart. Um, Austin Jackson uh, had an oblique strain against the Jets. So, you know, two guys on the right side uh, of that offensive line who – uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be looking like. And, of course, Connor Williams uh, is on IR after the game against the Titans. That's the starting center. So, I mean, Miami could be without half of an offensive line again. And, uh, obviously, it wasn't really an issue against the Jets. But, uh, you know, you just can't say that the, the Cowboys are incompetent like the Jets are offensively. Like you said, they're going to put some drives together um, put them some points. So, I think that's where the battle is. And, and we'll see. So, yeah, I, I do think you could get a ceiling game out of one of them. I do. I think Justin Fields is probably the like you know per dollar guy against Arizona, but but man, am I kind of glued to Baker Mayfield at six k on this slate right now against Jacksonville? Uh, we'll have to see what happens here. I guess another storyline we haven't talked about in a while is is Jonathan Taylor going to come back and play? Because you know we know what the upside he brings. So um, interesting for the Colts. Uh, absolutely atrocious. Uh, performance from uh, the whole team, but Bijan Robinson getting seven carries, killing people in the fantasy playoffs for Atlanta. We, we briefly, briefly visited that, but listen, we don't even want to talk about what Bijan Robinson did to me on prize picks and underdog yesterday. Lose. 
if Bijan Robinson just gets the 15 carries he's supposed to get, this is what I'm saying. Arthur Smith needs to be out of there. What is he doing? Runs Cordell Patterson, runs Tyler Algier more than Bijan Robinson and Luch. That cost me so many 25x slips. I nailed that game. Uh, and I was on that game early before. Once I knew the weather was going to be, and I live in the area, Luke's, so I knew what the weather was like. I, I had boots on the ground access to the actual weather, and I nailed that game, Luke's. Now, look, made good money on that game, Luke's. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was, I mean, I had, I've been on a, a pretty good stretch here, Luke, since Friday. Like, whew, it's been spectacular. But my point is, come on, man. We, we draft a running back in the first round. And we give him seven carries in a in a monsoon. Like, like, come on, man. Come on. Get Arthur Smith out of here. Um, I like Kenneth Walker at running back against the Titans. I kind of talked about them missing Tahir Tart and Jeffrey Simmons. And I don't think Jeffrey Simmons will play another down this year. Precautionary, locked them up with the big contract. They're mathematically eliminated. Time to gear up for next year, spend $100 million. No reason for Jeffrey Simmons to play. So I do kind of like Kenneth Walker at that price. I know if your game log hunting is ugly and he was hurt, but I don't think that you're going to see the same type of uh, negative game script for Seattle against Tennessee next week. Pending there's no injuries on Monday Night Football because you never know. Um, but that's just another name that stuck out to me here. Uh, I mean, if you're going to play that Miami game, you know, you're going to be paying for it. Tyreek's 9,600, CD Lamb's 9,200. Another uh, kind of sneaky-ish game is that Detroit-Minnesota game. Fairly high total. Justin Jefferson, 8,100. I understand who's throwing him the football, right? That matters. But, you know, if you're looking for more of a budgetable, maybe uh, game environment, maybe you look to Detroit-Minnesota, you know? Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Um, it's just going to be a wild week of football, man. Uh, a wild week. And then we got we got more Saturday games, too, which I do like. Um, so, uh, the bills are going to just smoke the chargers. Like, I mean, man, what, whatever the props come out at, like they didn't let Josh Allen throw last week, Luch. like they just kind of helped put the muzzle on him. I think they're going to unleash him this week. Like, why wouldn't you against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL? Like th they should unleash him this week. Well, we got three games on Monday as well. And I agree with, with that take, by the way, you know, Las Vegas, yeah. Kansas city, giants, Eagles. Baltimore San Fran. One thing we did not talk about. Uh, two more things I want to talk about, then we're a quick story time. We're out of here. Uh, Eagles switching play callers on defense. Matt Patricia. We talked about Matt Patricia many times in the past. Failed as a head coach, but boy, we love him as a coordinator. And I think this is to just switch up like this in the middle of the year. We'll see how it works. But uh, this guy knows how to call defense. He did it for years in New England. They can't just keep running the same. We've had multiple guys on the show. We've talked about it. You know, Philly just runs the same you know, four stock four pass rush. They don't get coverage sacks like they did last year. It's not the same pass rush as it was. And I don't care who we are. If you give any NFL receiver more than enough time, like you're going to get open. It's just the hard you know, being a cornerback in the NFL or anybody in secondary has to be the hardest position to play outside of quarterback. It's just, yeah. you know, anybody with time is going to get you eventually. So maybe Matt Patricia, maybe starting with the Seattle game, will figure out how to dial up some different things. Or maybe it just completely backfires. It, it, we will see what happens. But definitely worth noting, what's your take on Matt Patricia getting the nod to, to essentially become the defensive coordinator starting with the game in Seattle? 
Um, I don't know if we get to see much. And let me tell you why I say that. He gets Seattle with no Geno Smith this week, and he gets the Giants coming up with no Daniel Jones. And I'm not a big believer in Daniel Jones, but you get what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't really get what I consider to be all the way competent quarterback play. Not a knock on Drew Locke or a knock on Tommy DeVito, who I think is going into concussion protocol maybe. But my point is he's not going to get a real test um, until the week 18 when they play the Giants again. So I, I don't I don't want to – I really don't want to read too much into this, Luch, until we see them in the playoffs and they have to play a playoff game, which very well could be who against maybe the Rams. I don't, I don't know. I, I got to – We'll have to look and see how it shakes out, but he might not have a real challenge until the first round of the playoffs, and that's just the truth. But I think if they play shutout football, I think we'll that I think that will cement realistically. They play shutout football, I think people will say, "Okay, look, maybe they played a bad quarterback, maybe, but they played shutout football. Like it's still hard to shut out football teams in the NFL." Finally, we have both of our food for thought tier one teams duking it out on Monday Night Football. San yeah. Francisco, five and a half point favorites against Baltimore. I need your prediction for this game. And guess what? We're going to figure out real quick. My, my prediction is this. I'm, I'm not going to go against San Francisco at home. That's it. That's that's the deciding factor for me. Now, here's what I will say, Luch. If the sports books get a little crazy, we might have some opportunity. I think Baltimore can win this game for what it's worth, but I can't go against San Francisco at home. And me saying this out loud, Luch, no faith league. We got two tier one teams. Somebody's got to win. I think it's San Francisco. I think they got I think they have better skill position weapons where Lamar, Lamar lacking the skill position weapons may actually hurt him in this game. But Lucha fits close, and these teams have to have a tussle later on. If the Ravens have got enough data on this team from this matchup and they lost it close, I'll probably take the Ravens in the Super Bowl if both teams make it back for what it's worth. Do you get what I'm saying here? I think you're I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. I am. I'm kind of on the opposite side of the build. Uh, so I think this will be a nice conversation. Next week, I, I think the Niners make a statement. I think it's like 31-20. And I think we uh, have a discussion about where we're jumping the gun on Baltimore being a Tier 1 team next week. We'll see what happens. We'll see. I do like the Niners at home regardless. That was kind of a hot take, winning by 11. But is it, though, really? I mean, is it? We'll see. I mean, Lamar means so much to that offense. See what kind of game plan San Francisco has, right? I mean, uh, he just is accountable for so much of that production. It's crazy. I'm excited for it. That's the game of the week. And of course the NFL is going to make us wait all damn weekend for that. Um, Story time real quick. Remember last year, we usually talk about positive experiences. You went on your Hardee's rant and you had some poor service at Hardee's. I, I, I will not forget that. And I don't think I've had Hardee's since, by the way. So thank you. Intro- your influence me, your influence on me has has done wonders, I suppose. Um, I went out to a local place. I'm not going to name drop the place, 
Um, I'll get them on Yelp or Google reviews or wherever, you know, where actually matters, you know, you know, why not? Why be petty when I could just take the gloves off and online reviews mean everything in this day and age. Right. I was excited for this place. It was kind of touted as a decent little like brunch, breakfast, brunch, whatever. I had some family in town this weekend and um, my uncle's from Brooklyn and you know, the, you're a New Yorker, you're different, you expect things, you know, fast paced, you know, whatever, which could sometimes be mistaken for, you know, being rude or arrogant when that's just like how people are in New York, but they're not. Um, but, and I'll be, I'm the first one to call my uncle out on things when I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like, like, shut up, like, stop, whatever, you know, politely, of course. Uh, but he, he was not in the wrong in this situation. And, you know, we were waiting, the, wait, the waiter comes over, whatever, blah, 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 what do you want? He got a coffee. He didn't bring any, milk or creamer or anything with the coffee and i don't know two minutes went by whatever and it was a little bit busy but it wasn't like oh people are waiting in line to be sat or anything and my uncle just said something like uh you know milk milk for the coffee like you know wasn't rude about it you know could he be a little bit nicer i don't know he wasn't not nice just you know his point of the coffee and it's like you know saw the waiter going by look for the guy comes over to the table and maybe you know young luch would have handled this more reactive maybe i would have I don't know, said something I may have regretted or just left or walked out. I don't know. And my uncle kind of being a New Yorker, you know, no filter, loose cannon. I was like, oh, well, Vegas odds say is minus 250. One of us is going <laughs> to is gonna make this awkward or, you know. But it's also rarely where I get, mis- you know, I don't really, I, I typically get pretty good service. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good tipper. I used to serve tables in the industry. Like, I understand. I you know, spent times in restaurants. You know, we like going to restaurants and different bars. Like, I, I understand the grind and the hustle, like. You take care of me, yeah. I take care of you. Like I tip no less than 18%. And often I tip more than 20% if I'm out. I get it. Right. Like it's a it's a grind. Yeah. So my my uncle said, you know, milk, you know, milk, milk for the coffee, kind of just like pointed to the cup. And the guy comes over and said, Didn't you see me at that other table over there? I didn't forget about you. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was our job to come in on this establishment and watch you work. <laughs> didn't you see me over there? <laughs> Me and him just looked at each other, and then he looked at his girlfriend, and I looked at Taylor, and it was like they were the girls were looking at us like, all right, which one of you is going to go off on this guy, right? And mm-hmm. me and my uncle just kind of looked at each other, and the guy walked away, and I was like, yeah, we handled that much differently than maybe we 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 you know we did, but you know he didn't you know he could have came over and was like sorry, like I was really busy, like you know whatever he could. I didn't expect like a full like haiku of his you know why he was apologetic haiku. or something. Folks, right. go look up the word haiku if you don't know what it means. I know what it means. I'm just going to tell you it's a poem, but go look this up. Oh, Luke, very good alliteration, sir. I did not expect the word haiku to come up today. I didn't. I didn't expect you know some. Kind, I didn't expect a haiku or a love letter. He could have just said sorry about that. Like was really busy, whatever. You know, but ever since then, like he must have known his group because he was like the nicest person, like whatever. But. It was very snippy, and he even had like the mannerisms. Like, didn't you see me over there? I didn't forget about you. I'm like, easy, man. Like, all right, like, oh, coffee, and coffee's a hot drink, so you want to drink. You know, if you like hot coffee, you know, you, first of all, you bring you know, bring milk or half and half over with a typically when you're in a restaurant, by the way. So he struck out there to begin with. So, uh, so he he effed up his tip. That's all I gotta say. And I yeah. couldn't tell you the last time I tipped poorly because, you know. You, you, it's hard work, man. Blue collar stuff, waiting tables. But does it kill you to be a little bit nicer, especially in the holiday season, Chief? Come on, man. Hey, I'm nice all the time, brother. 
That's, I'm nice all the time. So listen, if if I've got to like tell a story about bad service, you know it's bad service. You can ask my Same. wife. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I understand people have bad days. You can have stuff going on at home. You have a sick parent. Like yep. there are a lot of things that can influence what you think. But I don't feel like, and, and you could be sad or say, you know, my bad, I forgot. Maybe you're spaced out. But I don't think there's ever a situation where we have to be rude with someone in that fashion. Like, I'm an adult, you're an adult. Hey, buddy, like, that's, that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, let's, let's get I, it together I, here. I waited tables for a couple of years. Like, and I was young in college and naive and arrogant. Man, I'm, I'm pretty polite, dude. Like, but, you know, younger, you know, person, young 20. I've never, like, I've had some bad, you know, consumer experiences when I was on the the server end, but I I would never for a call for like that situation. It's one thing if you disrespect me or something like that, but yeah, you know. that's a different scenario. Total, right. totally different scenario. Now, come on, I'm just trying to have an omelet, man. Drink some coffee, like let's do this thing. But yeah. anyway, happy holidays to everybody. You know, whether you celebrated Hanukkah, Christmas is coming up. Um. We're going to have a show. We have one wedged between the new year, right? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. So that's Christmas. So don't know when we're exactly when we're going to record next week. But we will be back. We will have a food for thought next week. Maybe we could bump it to Tuesday since like half the NFL plays on Christmas anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. You know, Hanukkah. You know, we did a little bit of both in this household in my blended religiously blended family so um mm-hmm. we did a little bit of both and uh you got any good plans for this weekend buddy before we head out of here uh i think for this weekend man i'm just gonna be if, if i'm not mistaken hanging out with the wife i'll be doing content and uh just enjoying the holiday season i, I love the holidays i love christmas and um seeing family put up decorations watching christmas movies listening to christmas music like i, I, I like it all so um you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays, everyone. And uh, we just, once again, man, so grateful that you guys take time to listen to our podcast and listen to us rave and rant and talk a little DFS at the same time. Yes, sir. And just remember, if you ask for milk for your coffee, just better be careful. For my guy here, Will Priester, thanks for sticking with us, by the way. We appreciate you guys. I'm the Looch. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you sometime next week.